Are your kids involved in a church youth group? If so, what are your thoughts about it? Why do your kids want to attend or not attend? Have you even asked them? You know, it's often said that what gets a kid to youth group doesn't always keep them there. And youth groups have always come under some scrutiny, especially in recent times. So this brings up some more questions. Are our concerns merited? And if so, what's to be done about it? And even a bigger question, can our kids still experience a thriving faith beyond youth group? Well, today we're going to be talking with Brad Griffin, one of the co-authors of Faith Beyond Youth Group. That's next on Licensed to Parents. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder of Shepherds Hill and author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, some of the kids that we deal with here at Shepherd's Hill Academy would claim that they've been in youth groups that, as far as their faith in Christ is concerned, have done more harm than good to them. How can this possibly be? Well, unfortunately, that is too often the case, uh, which gives credence to the old saying that the road to hell can be paid with good intentions. Uh, And though I'm not here to slam youth groups or church in general, I do think it's important for parents to be aware of the fact that the devil has always done his best work in church. But to be fair, uh, the church is also where God has always done his best work. I know we've had these discussions many, many times before on License to Parent. So to answer your question as to how this could be, I'll simply say that it's the evil genius of the devil who is regularly disguised as the angel of light. But... We'll get more into the nuts and bolts of of some of this with today's guest, I'm sure. Well, today's guest is Brad Griffin. He is the Senior Director of Content and Research for the Fuller Youth Institute. And Brad develops research-based resources for youth ministry leaders and families. And Brad's a speaker, writer, volunteer, pastor, and he's the co-author of 15 books, including... Faith Beyond Youth Group, and Sticky Faith. Brad and his wife, Missy, live in Southern California, and they share their lives with their own little research team, three teenage and young adult kids. And you can bet that Brad has hands-on experience and practice speaking to the next generation and helping to instill Faith Beyond High School Youth Group. Amen. Brad, welcome to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. A book entitled Faith Beyond Youth Group could imply a number of things. What message are you shooting for to entice you know, parents to read your book? <laughs> you know, I, I think we all come with a little bit of uh, fear, anxiety, a lot of questions about exactly what you were talking about a moment ago. What's really happening in youth group? What difference does it make? Um, I think parents wonder. I think leaders wonder. I mean, we work mm-hmm. with a lot of youth leaders, youth pastors who wonder, Am, am I really making a difference? You know, are we doing the things in youth group that really matter out of youth group? And what does it really take to change kids' lives and to impact their character in a way that's going to stick with them far beyond any sort of program time that we spend together? Do you think most parents, uh, the last few generations anyway, have a sufficient understanding of what's actually going on in a child's youth group? 
<laughs> That's probably not. So, so when I think back, I mean, I, I was a teenager in really the heyday of youth ministry. I mean, it's 30 years ago now. And, um, I don't think my parents knew much of anything that was going on in that youth group. Um, you know, and, and I think that's still true today. I think we carry a lot of imagination. So those of us, so I'm now a parent of teenagers and young adults. And I think our imagination of what happens in youth group is really shaped by whatever we experienced. And um, a, a lot of parents have kind of nostalgia for their youth group days and, and some of those relationships and experiences. And, and for many, really meaningful experiences of faith, meaningful experiences of um of serving and, you know, worship and, and on and on. And, and yet, uh, in our culture, we're really good at outsourcing. So parents are really good at sort of dropping off their kids and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. We do this across the board in a lot of areas, but it's true with faith as well. You know, it really starts young. I mean, we, many of our churches and ministries train parents for better or worse. We end up communicating you can trust your kids with us and we'll sort of take it from here when it comes to faith. And while mm-hmm. there's a lot that's beautiful about what, um, you know, happens in, in children's ministry and in youth ministry, um, we need to, <laughs> we need to realize that parents spend so much more time with those kids than, mm-hmm. than we do in our ministries and that ministry really needs to be a partnership. Um, and, and I think that partnership includes helping parents see um, so much of their kids' character is formed beyond what happens in youth group. And, and we mm-hmm. need to support those parents right. in that as well. Well, you, you mentioned character a couple of times, uh, but we live in a time where so many um, terms have, have been redefined. I fear character may be redefined. Uh, is the term character defined the same way today as it was when you were growing up? One of the things we found in our research is that we actually talk about and use the word character a whole lot less these days than we used to. And and some of that is because it's kind of a loaded term uh, and even sort of feel outdated. It has a little baggage. Character has been used to get us to conform to, you know, certain rules and standards. Um, it's very tied to morality, to ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, it can kind of, especially to, for young people, it can kind of feel like something from another era, like something your grandparents cared about. At the same time, we think character still really matters. And so we ended up developing a definition of character that we wanted to work with when it, when it comes to um, helping young people and helping leaders and parents kind of think about this now in light of scripture. And so this is our definition. We say that character is living out Jesus goodness every day by loving God and our neighbors. So living out Jesus goodness. So it's, it's rooted in Jesus own character every day. It, ha- it has to be something that it's consistently part of who we are. And then by loving God and our neighbors. So Jesus said, these are the most important things for us to do with our lives. Mm-hmm. And so when we put that together, we think, oh, that's a pretty good picture of what character is uh, according to a sort of a New Testament understanding. Yeah, I think because of our Christian roots as a nation, um, we just assumed we knew what character was. 
and now since the 60s and the whole postmodern uh, influence of, you know, well, your character's not my character, your truth's not my truth. We've had to be real careful. I like your your Jesus component into character because I think the golden rule, you know, do unto others, you have them do unto you and love your neighbor as yourself. And where else you want to go from there? I mean, who, who can argue uh, about that uh, uh, element of character, right? And I, I think that's... Uh, it's real important to know that uh, there has to be a transcendent uh, standard for character, for character to even be brought into a conversation with any kind of uh, mutual understanding between parties. Uh, millennials, many of whom are, are, are now parents of kids in youth groups, mm-hmm. are, are known for being self-absorbed, fragile, and entitled. Uh, has this been a stumbling block for youth leaders and senior pastors who are, who are trying to uh, disciple their Gen Z youth group participants? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things, you're right, all those labels have been applied to millennials. And one of the things that I think is often true is we, we kind of throw labels around from generation to generation. Right. And, you know, the, every generation is, is more harsh about the next one. I have been tracking recently, so Gen Z young people, are actually um, uh, judging and labeling the kids younger than them, the Gen Alpha kids coming up. They call them iPad kids because, mm-hmm. the, and my, my own kids have said this, you know, well, at least we're not like the iPad kids. Their parents just handed them iPads mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> and so first off, it's easy for us to judge across generations. Secondly, yes, some of those characteristics are there. Uh, there was a huge study in the early 2000s to mid 2000s, the National Study of Youth and Religion. You might have remembered that. And there was a lot of, um, it, it was sociologists of religion and they looked at millennial young people when they were in their teens. And one of the key findings of that was that the most common religion or religious sort of uh, understanding among teenagers at that time was moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember that term, it got thrown around mm-hmm. a lot. Moralistic therapeutic deism, this idea that God is, you know, primarily interested in me being good um, and making my life good. God is kind of far away, you know, this sort of, this, this deity that's sort of far away and mostly wants me to have a good day and make me happy. And that idea, you know, that sort of moralistic therapeutic deism, which of course was cultivated to them by adults. So we could point, we could point upward as well, generationally, but millennials who sort of grew up with that, you know, of course they've kind of parented with that sort of view of God. What I think is really interesting about Gen Z and especially this younger group is we are seeing more data that there's a lot of resilience here, of course, coming out of the last handful of years. um, There's a lot that kids have had to push through and they've had to figure out. Um, There's also a lot of openness to spirituality. um, And I think that presents us with a great opportunity where there are, are young people who, you know, perhaps are more open than the generation before them to, um, to something. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, we can say openness for the Holy Spirit to do something in their midst. And I, I think this is a potentially a big moment for us to be the church, to be the people of God uh, among this generation. So you're seeing hope. I mean, that's that's a really good um, thing to like stop on right now because we need to take a break. But <laughs> the fact that there's hope 
is amazing because yeah. I think that there are some in the older generations who think there is no hope for the next generations. So thank you for that. We are talking with Brad Griffin with Fuller Youth Institute today. We'll be back with more Licensed to Parent after this, and we'll continue talking about his book, Faith Beyond Youth Group. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I've believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can learn more about Shepherd's Hill by going to our website, licensedtoparent.org. And today we are talking with Brad Griffin, and he co-wrote the book, Faith Beyond Youth Group. So, Brad, I'm just curious about youth group. What would you consider the ideal youth group after watching the trajectory over the last 30 years? What is ideal? Well, (laughs) I think ideal is going to look a little different in each context, in each setting, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. will also hold some of the same characteristics. And so in our research, we found that some of, uh, there are sort of five things that hold together that are most important for youth groups that really impact kids' character. Okay. So those are to cultivate trust, to model growth, that there are adults who are modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, So trust, modeling, um, that our teaching is teaching aimed for transformation, not just information transfer. Mm -hmm. And then two more that kind of work together, that, that we're practicing together and making meaning. So this idea of helping kids um, 
move from their heads and into their into their bodies, into their hands and feet, that they're trying out what it looks like to live as Christians. They're coming back, they're talking about it. They're trying out what it looks like to serve, what it looks like to um, use their gifts. And then they're processing that. They're making meaning and helping integrate that into their faith and into their life. So those characteristics, um, I, I think if we're going to use that term ideal, they can play out in a lot of ways in youth ministries, but they really all need to be present. And that first one, I, I want to say, is, is perhaps the most important right now of cultivating trust because we have a huge trust gap across okay. generations and just across our society in general. Trust is at an all-time low. And, and I think we we really need to be paying attention to that if we want to be mm-hmm. in ministry with young people. And, and I think we, we got to pay attention to it in our parenting as well. Yeah. Amen. You know, I don't know that this is necessarily a poll that was done with kids. I think it may have been adults, but there was one poll that determined the four most trusted people in America. And here, here, here you go. Here, here are the four most trusted people in America. Bill Maher is number one. Number two is Joe Rogan. Three is Tucker Carlson. And four is Jake Tapper. Is this an indictment of the church in any way? I mean, Billy Graham would have popped up there somewhere a while back. Uh, But I know from experience that teenagers anyway look at uh, the first two, Bill Maher and Joe Rogan, as some of their go-to people for for their information and for their worldview and their really their moral standards, Tucker Carlson and Jake Tapper are actually people who are you know partisan and and, and so they uh, that might be how they got third and fourth. I don't know. Bill Maher and Joe Rogan are in the middle, but they're also bringing in some very dangerous influences. Uh, but the, I, I, listen, I, I I eavesdrop on some of their programs myself just to find out what the kids are listening to, and I'm telling you, they are making more sense and talking about uh, topics that the church needs to be talking about in a in a very um, informative, uh, wise way. Yeah, you know, I just I just saw a headline that uh, a recent Gallup poll said that Americans' trust in pastors has reached an all-time low, Sad. that fewer than a third in this study rate pastors as highly honest and ethical. So, you know, the church is less believable than ever. Pastors are less trusted than ever. Um, I mean, this is a... We're at such a strange time. Well, you know what's and, crazy about that? Go ahead. Uh, is Joe Rogan starting to ask some very good questions about faith? Uh, hmm. Dave Rubin, who is a practicing homosexual and you know, used to be a, a majorly liberal guy, is now kind of being looked at more as a, as a conservative guy. Bill Maher is making statements that w- would have been considered conservative but I don't think he's changed a lot. I, I think there's a balance to it all, right? Uh, but what can we do to change this attitude uh, that that we see? I, I, I've been saying since the 1980s that the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel and these 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 joy boys, TV preachers who are, you know, name and claim it, whatever you want to call it, are, have been doing more harm than good. And I. Yeah, yeah. You tell so, me. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's good. Um, I, well, clearly, we're not going to solve this here in a few minutes, but All I right. do have some thoughts. So, one thing we know about this generation 
is they trust influencers more than institutions. And we could say it's kind of a TikTok world of authority and answers for young people. And, you know, you're talking about a lot of voices there. Um, young people might name some of the same, but they might, you know, they're probably going to name some different voices. They're going to name folks we've never heard of. Sure. And, and some of the reality of that is, um, they have a lot that's coming at them. Here's what can help sort of counter or help filter all of that. Nothing can replace, nothing can replace relationships with people who are consistent and close. So consistency, it, that's our, our, our relational longevity. Like we show up over and over and over consistently for that kid, whether we're, you know, the adult who's volunteering in ministry, leading ministry, mentoring, or parents, just being as consistent as we can. Um, closeness is our relational proximity. This idea of, um, you know, we're, we're staying connected. We are authentically being ourselves and being appropriately vulnerable. We are asking good questions. We're truly listening. You know, it's been said that for most people, um, be, being heard and seen are so close to being loved that for most people, it's the same thing. Yeah. And there is nothing, there is no voice out there in the world that can be more influential than an adult who really sees and hears and knows us. And, and I've seen this in my own kid's life. I mean, I'll tell a quick story. I saw an adult just yesterday and thanked her. Um, her name's Abby. She's a, she's a mom in my church um, of uh, kids and teenagers. And she has taken time to get to know and to walk with one of my daughters and um, that daughter was home from college for Christmas break not too long ago. And I saw Abby yesterday and I thanked her because over that break, she reached out to my daughter and said, hey, let's get together, go for a walk, catch up and talk. And my daughter loved that and jumped right on it. And that was time when Abby just listened to her and yeah. and and heard her and saw her. And she feels loved and supported and known by an adult who's doing a really simple thing, right? But it takes time, takes intentionality. Face to face. Yeah, right? but that's exactly what we need. And that is how exactly. trust is built. That is how trust is built. There's just no substitution for it. And that's so, I mean, exactly I think right. there's good news for us in the sense of, like, we have what we need. You know, we, we do have what we need to counter some of this and to sort of get in the mix. And, and it's that kind of adult who that kind of kid can say, hey, you know, I heard this thing, you know, or I saw this thing on TikTok, or I was listening to this person, and I don't really know what to make of that. Or I don't know what I think about that. I don't know what I believe about that. What do you think about that? It's in those relationships where there's trust, where that sort of conversation can go somewhere, as opposed to kids just feeling like they are preached at, or taught at, or told what to think or believe. Yeah. What are some things parents should be expecting from their, their child's youth group that would give them more assurance that real effective discipleship is actually taking place? Communication is one. Leader mm -hmm. and, and youth leaders are classically bad at this. I think I think we've all got to get better at it. Um, but communication about what's what's going on, about what the program looks like, what the goals are. You know how leaders are being. 
um, trained, what the guidelines are, um, those sorts of things, but also communication about the content. You know, hey, here are the things we're talking about this month. Um, here's what's going on in our ministry. Here are the scripture passages we're looking at together so that you can talk about this with your kids. I think for ministries to promote conversations that happen outside a youth group can really serve parents well. Now, again, I say this as a leader who has not always done well with that myself, um, and also as a leader who would love more of that as a parent. Mm -hmm. I also think for the leaders in our ministry to be the kind of adults who are modeling Christ-likeness to our kids, authentic Christ-likeness, not, not perfection, you know, that's impossible, but lives that are authentically seeking after Jesus. And I got to say, you know, I, this, uh, I, I really learned this the hard way as a leader who um, at one point I really trusted and thought I could trust an adult who was a volunteer in our youth ministry, who was cool, who was a little edgy, who really connected with students well because he... Um, because he was kind of edgy and cool. <laughs> and I thought we were on the same page about some things that, you know, it came out over time that there were gaps in his character that were really destructive and ended up being really harmful to kids. Yeah. And we, it took a really long time to work that out. Yeah. I, I think a good youth leader needs to be 50 years old. What do you think? <laughs> okay, well, that brings up a question. Yeah, Like, yeah. Brad, in this TikTok world where we want to be entertained and our kids want to be entertained, when we're talking about youth group, where's the balance? Right. You know, what we say to youth leaders all the time is you are not going to entertain better than the other options out there. That's <laughs> so, what I say. <laughs> kids are... They are so entertained and they're used to so much entertainment that I actually think if they're motivated to be connected with a youth group, it's got to be about more than entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be more. Now, that said, fun can be really important sure. and fun is important for connection. Mm -hmm. Fun helps us belong with a group. It helps us sort of, um, you know, ease up and open up. It helps kids let off tension because, man, is there a lot of tension and anxiety in their lives. Yeah. So there's a real place for fun. I think we just need to be careful not to mistake the value of fun for the value of entertainment okay. because we're really not going to be able to compete uh, in an entertainment world. Yeah, no, yeah, not with 800 channels of TV and the internet. Uh, I know we, we're, about, we're about ready to wrap this up, but if you can give me an answer in 10 seconds, I want to ask you, what are some things good leaders should be expecting from parents to accomplish the same goal of effective discipleship? Real quick. Partnership, partnership, partnership. <laughs> the parents step in and say, hey, how can I help? How can we yeah. partner together? Let's talk. Let's keep this line of communication open. I think more youth leaders need to give an outline of their discussion to parents, and that means to be part of the deal that kids need to pass that on. I love that. Brad, thanks for joining us today. It's been a delight, and thank you so much for your ministry to parents on helping their kids, well, parents and leaders in helping the next generation. So thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent was Brad Griffin. You can connect with Brad on Facebook and Instagram or at fulleryouthinstitute.org. 
Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. We want to help you as you parent your teens in this culture. And one big issue in most homes today is internet safety. We can help you with that. Check out our free course to help you keep your kids safe on the internet. That's Internet Safety 101. Just click on resources at licensedparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.